Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex. Uh, with me is Chase. Today we have a bunch of stuff that uh, owners, GMs, coaches, and whatnot have said. Presidents of hockey operations, I believe. Uh, we have a whole bunch of just stuff to kind of break down and give our opinions on. It's very front office heavy it, recently. It really is, and uh, I guess that's kind of fair considering there can't be too much more news as the playoffs approach here uh, before we get into the playoffs. But uh, yeah, so we got uh, starting up, we have Babs versus Dubas <laughs> is what I have written down. Um, so for those of you who missed it, which I'm going to assume by this point you probably haven't, but Mike Babcock had a, had a quote um, about the, the lack of, not the lack of depth. Someone asked him about the Nashville Predators, and he had said they're a very deep team. They don't have to overplay their players. And everyone took that as a bit of a shot at uh, Babcock. And just a day earlier, or maybe it was a day after, Kyle Dubas had a tweet. And it was pretty much, he quote tweeted something saying, is it the, the right, the tough way isn't, you know, no, the easy way, right. So his answers, and it goes, simple but wrong, and then complex but right. And then everyone's going in the simple but wrong direction. And I mean, he didn't really say anything with that, but people being people were like, oh my God, he's probably taking a shot at Babcock. What are your opinions on this? Because I have a lot. Okay. I just want to start with the Dubas one. I could not, I, I could not believe people took anything out of this Dubas tweet. Yeah, I would agree. For those who don't know who Daryl Morey is, he's the Houston Rockets general manager, who's one of the more famous nerds in basketball. Like the guy who wrote Moneyball wrote in another book the first chapter was just about daryl morey so kyle dubas quote tweeting a check mark to something that daryl morey says like this is literally like the most on-brand kyle dubas tweet i could possibly think of and it became like no one made much of it before because he tweeted this out the night before the babcock comments came out i'm pretty sure and just everyone was like oh what's this mean but then the babcock stuff came out it was like oh that's actually a shot at mike babcock it's like I'm sure Mike Babcock went on Twitter and saw that, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to take a shot right back at Kyle Dubas. No, not at all. And so here's the thing. I had way more opinions on the Babcock quote. I thought, did you see the Muzzin one? You didn't the Muzzin too. one, wait, I don't know how that got past everyone. That was the one where I was like, that was the one quote in all of this where I was like, I think Mike Babcock made a mistake here. So that was from when the Muzzin trade happened. Yeah. They had asked what, what he was excited about with Muzzin. He's like, Ah, you know what? It's not the best I thought we or it was the best we could do. We're gonna have to make it work or something like that. Right after he got Jake Muzzin, and that got zero press. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. He basically just said Muzzin's good, but I would have preferred if he was right-handed. Exactly, and that's you know what? Like we know Babcock is very fickle about that stuff, I, and he definitely did make a mistake. I there. think he would want to have that one back. Yes, for sure. And it. I don't think, and again, I don't think. But I also do believe he would prefer Muzzin as right-handed. Well, yeah, and so that's like, the thing. Like, I don't think he's necessarily going, oh, Jake Muzzin sucks. It's just you know how much Babcock likes his left-hand, right-hand. Yeah. He was probably upset he didn't get a right-handed D. Well, also, all else equal, I'm sure Dubas would prefer Muzzin to be right-handed, too. Like, that doesn't even have to be a shot at Dubas. It's just a fact that the Leafs would be better off if Jake Muzzin was right-handed. Yeah. So, Not that I thought the quote was... It was definitely something I think he would like to have back, but... So then we get to uh, last week, and I tweeted this out. I said, I can't believe it's a hot take to compliment another team when you were asked about the other team, say their depth is good, and maybe you're not saying, hey, F my boss. Yep. So there's a couple of different reasons for this. One, it's not, the question was not, what do, do the Nashville Predators have that the Leafs don't? He And he didn't, he then didn't go, oh yeah, they can play, they don't have to overplay their good players, where I do, my, our depth sucks. He was just asked, what do you like about the Nashville Predators? He'd go, oh yeah, they're a deep team, 
You know, they don't have to overplay their good players. That doesn't mean he thinks he has to. And everyone... Well, he clearly doesn't think he has to because he does not overplay his good exactly. players, and if everyone, anything. Everyone jumped on that. Oh, yeah. You, like, everyone jumped on him. was like, oh, yeah, well, Matthews is used as a 2C. What do you think of that? I was like, that probably means he sees that he has depth. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, it's like, if anything, that goes for what he's saying. Well, and then He also had a quote when they played Edmonton yes. about how he didn't have to use so Matthews. this is what I quote to you. I was like, more on this because I just remembered it. Yeah. And I was like... He literally said, because they were like, they asked him about McDavid playing 27 minutes a night. He's like, well, that's not going to happen here. We have more than one good player. Like, I just, do people forget about that? I don't, maybe it's just selective. What I just, I don't think that saying another good team has good depth means, hey, I don't like my boss. Like, yeah, like, he clearly believes in his team's depth. Because the biggest complaint on Leafs Twitter is, if anything, he's not playing his good players enough. Yeah, he gives guys like Connor Brown and Zach Hyman too much minutes. Or too many, and Patrick Marlowe too Yeah, he many gives minutes. his depth guys too much minutes. Yeah, and I, I'm assuming he doesn't think Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, and John Tavares are bums. No, I, <laughs> like, I doubt that. I would I would have a hard time believing that. I mean, even William Nylander, like, yes, I get his usage. I, I think there, there's no real reason Nylander shouldn't be stapled to Matthews' side. Uh, their numbers show that they make each other better. Oh, Matthews God, is yeah. a better play driver with Nylander, and Nylander benefits from Austin Matthews. They fit together so well. But at the beginning of the year, you know what? William Elander, he was fine. He was, wasn't having top struggling. luck. But part of that was because he hadn't played. Yeah. So I'm okay with not giving him top-line minutes and throwing him to the fire as soon as he gets in the lineup for the first time in January, December, or whenever he played, because he hadn't played for the first half of the year. Yeah, at the very start, he was struggling to get up to speed. And then the predictive results were there, but the descriptive ones weren't. So I didn't think that was like... The worst thing not to be just throwing him to the wolves immediately. Exactly. And, now... and when the predictive results are there against bottom line talent, but you're also not getting the descriptive results, why would you go, okay, well, it'll probably just automatically get descriptive results if we move them now to harder? Like, and like, I get quality of teammate is also just in, more important probably than quality of competition. And so maybe when you're passing to Frederick Gauthier and. Uh, well, he's playing with Kadri for the most part. Oh, okay, yeah. But, I mean, I know he had a stint on the fourth line and stuff, too. It's like, what, what do you expect him to do here? But I don't know. I don't... I think so much is just... I mean, it doesn't help that the team's losing, obviously. If the Leafs are in the middle of a five-game winning streak or whatever when he says that, there's absolutely nothing said. But, I mean, they've absolutely been sliding lately. Like Four, four and two in the past ten. Yeah, I mean, that's still fine. Like, it's not great by any means. It's not even... But, like, 500 over the last 10 games, and you would think these guys are literally 0-10. You think they're Buffalo? I think Buffalo's on what? I think they were on a 12-game losing streak. They're 1-8-1 in the past 10. Okay, yeah. So, like, I don't... I just feel like, uh, obviously, there's some tense pressure going uh, into the playoffs, and, you know, you never want to lose by this point, but, I mean, for God's sakes, look at the players they're missing. Well, that's the worst part, is it's not like they're... Ice. Like, this team, who everyone talks about how bad their defense core is, is missing Jake Gardner and Travis Dermott, and it turns out they're important players, which should not have surprised anyone. Yeah, well, and that's, I said something to someone today, because I tweeted out, I wasn't sure what was happening with Jake Gardner, because I hadn't seen any update until yesterday. He's back skating. About now. an hour after I tweeted out, so what's happening with Jake Gardner, they said he was skating. But I was like, if are they missing him from the playoffs? Because that'd be rough. And Originally, it sounded like they might have been missing him for the he, start of the playoffs. He still might be close. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't get back right away. But someone, I had two Leafs fans reply, like, oh, we'll be better without him. 
And then there was someone else who replied that, and I just said, nah, like, no, he won't. He takes way too much crap for how good he is. He's like, nah, I was just trolling, man. I was like, oh, okay, like, you'd be shocked how many Leaf fans have that actual opinion. He's like, yeah, I know, it's crazy. I was like, you think it, it, like, it is even more wild that they have that opinion watching how bad this team is without him defensively. Like, just how much they've struggled. I know they're not great with him defensively either, but... The, t- the results are there. Well, yeah, Ian Tullock loves the graph where if you take just simple relative goals for percentage, just on-off splits, Jake Gardner has, like, one of the best on-off splits in terms of goals for percentage of the past however many years. So then when Jake Gardner's not playing, it kind of makes sense that the Leafs struggle a little bit. Like, that shouldn't should not be no, surprised I mean, to anyone. And losing Patrick Marlowe and having to play, who, who are they playing on a third pair now full-time, like, Justin Hall and Igor Ozaganov. Like, I don't yeah. mind either of those guys, but they're not Travis Dermott. Well, like. Travis Dermott was <laughs> arguably the best third-pair defenseman in the NHL. Yeah, I mean, even, like, no offense to those guys, but Travis Dermott and Ron Hainsey really isn't a bad third-pair. Then, like, Ron Hainsey, when you play him on your PK, yeah. that's not a bad third-pairing, especially then if you can go Riley, Gardner, Muzzin, Zaitsev, I guess. I would yeah. switch Dermott and Zaitsev. Probably. But, but I mean, any third pair with Dermott on it's a good one. Exactly. And uh, just for reference, when Babcock made those quotes, it was against Nashville. They had one win in their past four games, and that win was against Philly in that 7-6 win. Oh, so God, yeah. that was a wild one. And they just come off of getting their ass kicked by the Ottawa Senators. And I, that has to be one of the most embarrassing games of the year. Yeah. I mean, that was probably Ottawa's most complete game. I just went, who is this Leafs team? Uh, who is this Ottawa's team, for that matter? Yeah, watching but, that one was tough. Yeah. Um, so, I, I don't know. Like, I I definitely think that there is. I mean, Elliot Friedman de- reported on it as well. And if Elliot Friedman's reporting on it, there's probably not nothing there. I wouldn't be surprised if there is a bit of a rift between Babcock and Dubas. I just don't think this is what's causing it. Yeah, if anything, I would be surprised if Babcock and Dubas did agree on everything. Oh, for sure. I mean, you don't want that either. No, you really don't, and I highly doubt that they do. And, I mean, there's there's definitely some big problems, like when you go and get Jake Muzzin and he's still being the fourth most used defenseman or whatever, and Ron Hainsey's playing more minutes than him on a daily. That is an issue. You know, like, and it's pretty much, you saw with Nick Patan and Garrett Sparks as well, I don't think Babcock liked those players, but Dubas went, all right, suck it up, because here, I'm signing him to a contract, and you're going to have to have them. So, I don't... I don't know if I think that's the smartest move, but Dubas is clearly going, stop complaining about the guys we have because you're going to have to use them if you want to coach here. Yeah, I don't know. I just couldn't believe. I thought this thing was just so overblown. Oh, 100%. Look at the market it's in, and they're on a bit of a losing streak, and just came off a super embarrassing loss. It perfect storm for it to be It was the perfect storm. Because, of course, they lost to Ottawa right before. Yep, and then they lost to the Predators, beat the Sabres, and then lost in overtime to the Rangers in a game where I didn't watch a ton of it, but it looked like uh, Gorgiev or whatever his name is shoved, uh, stoned them again. That change from Matthews in overtime was just horrendous, <laughs> though. I get he was tired, but any pressure, and that's not an obvious two-on-one. I was watching, I was like, oh my word. Yeah, that was tough to defend. Although, that well, was like, a great game by the Leafs. That was just a... Yeah, no, like, I'm... It's not, like, like, you can't blame the whole game on one guy like that, but I was like, oh my god, that was not a good moment for Matthews. No, that was probably one he'd like to have back to, but... For sure. Um, As we're recording, they are beating the Florida Panthers, I believe. Yeah, it was 4-2 last I checked. It's still in the first, isn't it? Um, I would think so, judging by the time. 4-2 at the end of the the first. Awesome. So that's a shootout as well, but... um, 
All right, we've got our loose talk in, I think, for the, the episode, for now at least. Let's lose to some sentence talk now. So Eugene Melnick decided to break the streak of quiet that he had. There's so much to break down here that I don't even know if we're going to be able to cover every single point of it because it's just so asinine and insane. If you wanted to draw something up to make your franchise look bad, you almost couldn't have made the sentence look worse than Melnick did. Okay, so so let's just, I'll set the scene here. I don't like getting into the Leafs net or whatever. Like, you know, how people say, oh, Sportsnet only covers the Leafs. A, I think you should cover whatever you want to cover. Yeah, cover whatever gets makes you money. Exactly. That's smart. B, I do think that Sportsnet does a fine enough job of covering Ottawa. They don't have, but that being said, it's not to the extent TSN has. TSN paid them millions of dollars to get their actual games every weeknight, pretty much, and even on some Saturdays that aren't Hockey Night in Canada. They have probably 60 games of the 82, I would say, this year. They have their own radio station just for, you know, Auto Sports and the Sens. They do so much coverage. They have so many people who do beat writing for TSN in Ottawa. And so Eugene Melnick goes, okay, you know what? I'm going to go to Toronto Radio. That was the weirdest part of this to me. And he goes on Sportsnet and starts talking. I think he did do an interview the next day with Ottawa. But so the first night he goes and he, he says, no, the, the, the person asks him pretty much, um, what, do, what do you say to the fans that don't have lost some trust in you? What are you doing to win back their confidence or whatever? And he goes... Ah, you know what? I don't even know if we really have... Uh, I, don't, I think those fans are fake because the, the most vocal one is a 12-year-old from Toronto. Which just means it's a Sens fan living in Toronto. Yeah, like if anything, you should be happy that you still have Senators fans in Toronto. So he goes, yeah, you know, the real fans that we have that are still showing up, we're doing everything we can, you know, make the games better and stuff like that. And uh, I don't, like, that was pretty tame for Mel, like, I'm not going to lie. So it's the next day when it gets so much worse. So he goes on, and I don't even know what station this was on the next day. He goes on, and he calls Ian Mendez. Oh, God, yeah. I believe he's with TSN still. See that? No, yeah, it's TSN. He's not with The Athletic. Um, he calls Ian Mendez Bushley for how he conducted a TSN interview with Pierre Dorian after the trade deadline. And pretty much what was behind it was Ian Mendez had... Um, they didn't let Dorian off the hook. I think Dorian, it was the day after Dorian came, or the day of Dorian came. He said, this is the happiest day of my life, being a GM. <laughs> and after he had just traded away Stone, Duchesne, and Dezingle, and he went on the radio with Mendes, and forgive me because I can't for, I can't remember his co-host name, and they grilled him. They said, okay, how is this the happiest day of your life? Like, yes, you can be happy with returns. Are you really going to your franchise and say, yeah, I'm happy trading away all of your favorite players? And they pretty much, they grilled him for a solid hour. And they, it's not like they were rude to him or anything, but they asked fair questions and questions that the fans wanted to hear. It's almost as if it's reporters' job to ask critical questions when they need to be asked. Exactly. So Melnick follows this up and goes, calls him Bush League for that. And so I have never seen so much overwhelming support from everyone in the hockey oh, community. Oh, God, yeah. Just saying, Ian is the classiest guy I know, one of the fairest guys I've known. And he, like, someone even said, I think, quote-unquote, he bends over backwards. To be fair to that team. Because he could rip them so much more than he does. But he draws a nice line of being fair, but still being critical. You know, you don't need to beat on every stupid thing. Which would be hard to do if you're reporting, like a reporter <laughs> on this the team. Ottawa yes. Senators. I mean, look at what's gone on in the past 18 months or whatever. How do you, like, you could, it'd be so easy to just write a new column every day, just ripping them a new one. Yeah. But he doesn't. You know, he tries to point out some of the highlights, but he also goes, okay, yeah, you can't be doing this. How, like, I, okay, 
first of all, I should say that uh, rest in peace, Brian Murray. But I think I've said this on this podcast again. We took for advantage of Sense Pants, how damn good of a job he did with Melnick. That becomes more and more obvious and like every day. I wasn't even a fan of Murray that much when he was a GM. I thought he had some okay stuff, but I thought he also made some bad trades. I mean, he made the FNAF trade. He made the Bobby Ryan contract. I mean, I'll defend the contract to a certain extent, but still, there was bad things that he did. But my word, he did such a... You never... Not never. You barely heard from Eugene Melnick when Brian Murray was GM. And maybe it was just a respect thing that Dorian hasn't had or something like that. I don't know. But what's obvious is that Dorian cannot keep Melnick under control like Brian Murray did such a good job on. Yeah. And it's sad that that is now, like, the most critical piece of being the Sens GM is not anything to do with hockey, but is to keep the owner... Babysitting your owner. Yeah. Babysitting your boss. Yes. And imagine being Melnick's PR department. Oh, God. Because he definitely tells them that he's going to go do this. But what are you going to say? Like, they're going to say no. Hopefully they said no. If not, it also wouldn't surprise me if Melnick just surrounded himself with people who say yes to That's a good idea to whatever he's done. Because it's so obvious that they've surrounded themselves with yes people that they have no idea how the fan base truly feels. Yeah, um, or they're at least willfully ignorant of yes. how the But imagine being feels. his PR where you know that... It's just like, you, you know you have to try and say no to this, but he's going to do it anyways. Well, yeah, I can't Yeah, I can't imagine having the dude who signs your paychecks, but needing to tell him not to do things is an easy thing to do. Especially when you know he's just not going to listen to you no matter what. Yeah. And the things are just so stupid. Oh, yeah, it can't be a good position to be in to work for that PR department. And then, so I guess I said we had enough of Leafs talk, but we'll get back to it for a second. He took... If there's anyone who shouldn't be taking a shot at the Leafs, it's probably the owner of the 31st place team. Yep. But someone asked him about uh, if he, you know, he looks at what the Leafs have done for a rebuild. He goes, yeah, but they seem to have forgotten defense. We're going to have everything. What did they... I just... I, I don't know. I, you know, that's not the worst comment in the world, but at the same time, it's like, why are you taking shots It's just at... so petty. Yeah, and like, like Fun the... trivia. Who has the most shots against in the league this year? I'd imagine it's Ottawa. Like, it's Ottawa. Yeah. And it was even Ottawa when they had Mark Stone while Mark Stone was putting up like a selkie level defensive season, so like I don't know. I I just want him to sell the team so badly. Yeah, that would be the best. It must be so nice just having an owner that doesn't say and not even doesn't say anything, just doesn't say anything outlandish. Well it's the worst part, like how many owners do you know the name of in the league? Two. Jim Lights and him. Oh, oh, that is Jim Light. He wasn't even the owner, wasn't he? Isn't he just oh, like he might have been lower? But Tom Dundon's the only other one I know. Yeah, you're right. And then actually, I, I guess Doug Sifu, I think, is partially an owner of the Panthers because he, he's vice president. Okay, I, yeah. So I think there's two that I actually know. That's you shouldn't know the owner's name. No, and I, I don't know. Like I know, um, totally offside has said a couple times. If I owned an NHL team, it'd absolutely be my toy. I'd be involved. I'd be involved, but I, like, it's one thing to be involved. I would want to be involved, but I wouldn't probably want to be out there publicly every day. But the thing is, me and you also very much enjoy hockey and yeah. try and study and learn from it as well. You know, I wouldn't want to be, it's the same, like, the thing is, yes, it's a toy, but it's also a multi-million dollar business. Sometimes it's a billion dollar corporation. Exactly, corporation. so you have to treat it like that too. You can't treat it as a toy. Because it'd be a super, super expensive toy. That is one thing that gets lost sometimes when people are like, ah, it's just a game. It's like, well, they are multi-million dollar companies or billion dollar companies too. Exactly. And so, like, I think, I don't know, so far I haven't minded Tom Dundon's involvement. 
think his has been okay. He tweets about the team. He tries to get involved. You know, he, he says, you know, I, this is what I want to see. I think that's fair enough. Yep. You leave the hockey decisions to the hockey people, though. Yeah. And that's what's important. And at this point, I really don't believe that happens in Ottawa. And I mean, and when you when you do say stuff about your team, that's fine. Pump your team's tires. That's all good. That's what you should be doing as an owner. You want to go get your teams out. Yeah, like when Tom Dundon tweets about how fun the storm surge is after they win. It's like, yeah, cool, whatever. He doesn't just go and dunk on the other team and be like, <laughs> yeah. man, look at those stupid losers. Like, aren't you happy we're yeah. not them? Aren't you glad we have Jacob Slavin and all they have is a sixth defenseman or something like yeah, that? Yeah, it's just... I don't know. So Melnick just needs to sell the team, take his millions and millions and millions of dollars and leave. But he won't do that. I really hope that it gets to the point where the league... So it's always been said Batman will never step in until it starts costing him money. At what point do you think, if they can't get a new arena done, attendance starts dropping, that starts costing uh, Batman money, and he's not going to move the team. For the people who say, oh, they're going to Quebec. No, they're not. not People like joking about Ottawa and their, you know not quite sold out playoff game or whatever. It has been one of the strongest markets for the past decade and a half, two decades. It's not up there, obviously, with the Leafs, but that's natural when you don't have a team for 100 years. Well, they're never going to be up there with no, the Leafs. No team. No, almost most, no teams. Yeah, exactly. But they are still, the fact is, they have averaged, I think they're like 15th in attendance probably over the past like decade, maybe even higher than that. Even when they weren't good, they were still in the like 20th for attendance and percentage of building full, and they have one of the biggest buildings in the NHL. This is a market that, and I think they're they're not in the bottom five for most least valuable franchises. I think they're like 21st or something, Forbes had them. This isn't a team that's going to move. No, as long as the fans aren't in full-on revolt, it's, it is a hockey market. Yeah, and, and everyone knows how to fix the, the, how to get the fans back. If you have a new owner, I can almost guarantee you that horseshit of a team will sell out almost every home game next year. If they sold, if the owner sold this summer and they got a new owner... I would be so confident in saying that at least half the games would be complete sellouts, and anyone that wasn't probably still has more than 15,000 people at it. I bet they'd do way better than they are doing now, at very least. Because everyone is so, like, even me, like, I like trying to get down to Ottawa to watch a game. I'm not going to do that while Malnick's owning. And why would you? No, like, even this year, the the tickets would have been cheap. If it would have been because the team's just rebuilding naturally. I probably still would have said, hey, Chase, you want to come down to Ottawa for a quick road trip on a weekend? We can go watch a Sens-Bolts game or something for 10 bucks. Like, And I would have game. Exactly, but, but I don't have any reason to now. No. It, and and there's so, so many people like that, too, yeah. where it's just like, yeah, like, I know a guy from Nova Scotia who says he, or, yeah, Nova Scotia who says he flies out from Nova Scotia every year. This year he decided to go somewhere else because he didn't want to watch Ottawa. And it's so obvious what the reason why is. Yeah, he says it. It's because our owner. I don't want to go. Like He's like, even when the team's bad, I still go and watch. It's a fun weekend. Cheap tickets, fun, you know, it's still a fun atmosphere, but the owner sucks. So why would I? Totally fair. Like, completely fair. Yeah, I just, I, I just want to know at what point they do step in, um, It'll be interesting. I, it, you can't say it's not costing them money, and I do think that Batman's not happy with Melnick, especially because of the arena situation. Oh, there's no way he can be happy. Yeah, with this. I mean, forget the pipe bombs or whatever for a second. He had one about like just like saying stuff. Oh, that's what a pipe bomb is. Okay. Yeah, like just saying stuff on air. I, I'm sure Batman's not even thrilled about that, but I'm sure he could get over that. It's doing stuff like not getting a new arena downtown where you desperately should need one. And he had one against yeah. I, I, about the mayor as well is like 
he runs his mouth so much. He's so lucky. He should shut up. He's lucky I don't run my mouth or something like that. It's like, what are you doing right now? Like, Eugene Melnick, Melnick said that, said about, that the about the mayor of Ottawa. That's a good look. I, I can't talk about this for much longer. <laughs> Let's move on to it. This is just a team. Just the classic ripping on the teams that we have always seemed to rip on or yeah. talk about. Well, they... If you're bad, you can just not say anything and drift away into the background. But no, they have to put themselves in the front of the news cycle all the time. Bob Nicholson. <clears> he <throat> was at a season ticket holders event. Uh, this was, was kind of like a f- meeting. This is my favorite story in the NH- in the entire NHL this year. Do they just not remember that season ticket holders care, have phones, and report on that stuff? Yeah. I don't so, know. if anyone's missed it, uh, this was awesome. He pretty much said, and someone asked, I think it was it was either about Tobias Reader or the lack of the depth or something like that. He went and said, Yeah, we pay we were bidding with other people for Tobias Reader. We paid for him to come here. He wanted to come here. He has not performed. He will not be coming back next year. He has not performed. If he would have scored twelve or fifteen goals, we'd probably be in a playoff spot right now. He said that the reason that they're not the Edmonton Oilers are out of a playoff spot is because Tobias Reader has zero goals instead of having 12 or 16. This is so dumb on so many levels. What are your thoughts on this? They are, at the time we're recording this, 13 goals behind the Chicago Blackhawks in terms of goal differential, who are the team one ahead of them. Like, I I just thought that was hilariously stupid. I think it was Jonathan Willis who went and did a full article for The Athletic looking at all the different, if you were... If you scored this many goals or let in this many fewer goals, where would they be? 12 goals would still have them in the exact same spot. So he went, Tobias Reader could score on 12 of his shots this year, and it still wouldn't matter. So here's the other thing. Yes, no players should be shooting 0% over a year. He is currently at 0 goals on 81 shots. If he would, His career average shooting percentage is 8.3. So if you take, if you score on 8.3 of your shots, how much do you think, how many goals do you think that is? Wait, repeat that, sorry. So his career average shooting percentage is 8.3%. Yep. If he scored at that this year with his 81 shots, how many goals do you think he'd have? It's 10, isn't it? 6.7. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. So you expect him to shoot double his shooting? Like, yeah, if he only shot double what he usually does, we'd probably be in the playoff spot right now. What? Yeah, like, so last year I had him as photo replacement level fourth line player. Like, why is that... Like, if why, in what scenario should your playoff hopes rest on a fringe fourth liner doing well or scoring 12 goals? Yeah, I don't. And he walked those comments back almost immediately. He said, I'm sorry. And he said, he he didn't even apologize for the comments. He still believes the playoff ones. He said, Where I went wrong is saying we wouldn't re sign him next year. As if he's re signing. Yeah, I was like, Okay, first of all, we know the BS was what you're saying. Second of all, what's it matter? Like, God, like this was one of the dumbest quotes I've ever seen in my life. I couldn't believe this was real, to be perfectly honest. I, I just, I looked at it and I was like, no way he said that. And so I originally, like I said, I had Tobias Reader as a fourth liner coming into last year. If the Edmonton Oilers have taught me anything, it's that he's going to go on and be like a first liner. That's what I said. I was like, I can't wait for some team to sign him to almost league minimum and he scores 25 goals next year. Yeah, like, Like, wear that like a badge of honor. The team that gave up on Justin Schultz, Jordan Everly, and Taylor Hall has given up on me too. Man. I don't even have much to say about this. 
I so just loved it. Ryan Lambert did a article today, and I haven't got to read it. I want to read it tonight, I think. But I can already guarantee I know what it's about. It's how do you expect the Oilers, how do you believe the Oilers are ever going to truly change with comments like Bob Nicholson's? And I totally believe that because it's been mentioned, I think, on the Puck Soup podcast this week. It was just, this is the way people think. You know it's not just Bob Nicholson thinking this in that front office. Oh, for sure. It's probably, maybe the GM, probably a couple of the advisors to the GM who legitimately think if this fourth-line player shot double of what he usually does, we would be in a playoff spot right now, which even wouldn't even be true. I just, I, I'm so lost for words with this organization. They're, I don't think this team will ever get better, will they? Like, they have Connor McDavid. You just have to... But like, they you have no one to show that you're going to surround him with people to give him players to play with. I know, that's the worst part. I don't... Like we said last week, I'm not entirely sure how you make this team better, but... But, like, even if you have a three-year plan to just let some of those awful contracts run out or whatever, why do we trust that the next person in charge isn't going to do the exa- exact same type of thing? I have no idea. They definitely have to be looking at the Leafs model to just completely clean house. Which they've been doing for 10... Like, it's sad that you have to completely clean house with an in-your-prime Connor McDavid. Yeah. You should be relegated. Yeah, I, exactly. It's like starting the season with, like, an extra 10 points and still not making the playoffs. Yeah. Like, it just everything... Even the, the high... I know we went off on this when it happened... Even the uh, letting uh, Peter Shirelli negotiate Miko uh, Koskinen's contract two days before he was fired, and then saying, "Oh no, we had a hand in that as well," but then saying, "No, we let him do wait, take too much of the decisions for himself." Which one is it? And either way, it's bad. Yeah, it's bad either way. What a great team! What a stupid team! Yeah, I this this was one of my favorite quotes ever. I just, I just this is the guy who's running your hockey operations. Get him out of the hockey side and just let him do the business side. I, man, I just can't believe it. Poor Tobias Reader. Yeah, I mean, I would, as you said, I would legitimately use this in negotiations. Badge of honor. Yeah. yeah. Like, be like, yeah, this team said I'm bad, so. So look at everyone else they said have been bad. Yeah. <laughs> believe in me. Um, okay, let's move on. Uh, we don't, this might be a shorter episode. I'm not sure unless we pull something out of here at the end. I don't know. There's not too much stuff that went on this week, but and the playoffs are pretty much locked in. We're so. gonna do a playoff preview next week. Uh, we might do two episodes: one Eastern Conference, one Western Conference. That's not a bad um, idea. But we'll see. Uh, so we have the Columbus Blue Jackets. I wanted to just talk. If Columbus misses, do you think one or both or none of the coach and GM get fired? That's a really good question. First, do you think they're gonna miss? Um, I guess we can talk about that for a little bit if you want. I'm not sure. It's gone so back and forth. I could see them not missing, but I could also see, like, it's so tough to call. I think it's obviously going to be one of uh, them or Montreal that misses. I think the Hurricanes have really done themselves uh, a very good job of making sure that they look like they're going to be in. Yeah. For example, Money Puck has them at 98.13%, yeah. whereas <laughs> Montreal and Columbus almost have a 50-50 split to get in right now. Yeah. I could see... To me, high-end talent's what you want, and Columbus has more high-end talent than the Canadians. Agreed. However... A lot more. But when you say high-end talent, one has a goalie who's been playing very high-end, and the other high-end goalie has struggled mightily this year. Carey Bryce True. has been dominant for the past month, and they don't look like they're going to stop using him. It's vintage Canadians to have Carey Price try to drive them to the playoffs. So it's so tough to say. I lit- It's a coin flip. It literally is. Yeah, it is at a coin flip, but 
I'm not sure the statistical models can account for the Matt Duchesne missing the playoffs factor. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, he is a cancer to the locker room. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, yeah, like, it's so tough. I don't I don't know what to say. I really don't. I mean, I think Bobrovsky's hurt now, isn't he, too? I have no idea. Oh, wait, no, maybe he's okay. Uh, maybe it's just a, a small-term injury. I know he was hurt the other day, but maybe he's fine. I don't know. Um, what do you? Who do you think's going to end? Um, Mike, Micah's odds have uh, Columbus slightly favored, money pucks the other way, so this is probably the closest thing to a 50-50 chance we could be. I'm going to go with Columbus. I just had more faith in them to start the season, and they've gotten, like, they've made good additions. Okay, do you want me to tell you each other's, their schedules? Actually, that's probably a good idea, to be honest. All right, so Montreal has Florida tomorrow. Florida's playing Toronto right now, so the Florida will be on a back-to-back. Then they play each other on Thursday. That'll be big. Yep. Then Montreal gets the Jets, the Lightning, the Capitals, the Leafs. Yeah, I'm sticking with Columbus. That's a tough four. However, the only saving grace, I think, here would be that they're resting players. I could see that. The Capitals, they might... They, they, I, there is a good chance the Capitals don't have the Metro on lock or anything like that, because that's a real tight race between the top three there. Yeah. But it is possible that they know where they're playing, and they might rest a guy the second-last game. The Leafs may know they're just locked in the third. They may rest some guys on game 82. I would bet the Leafs do. The Lightning, it probably is getting a little too early, because I'm assuming the Lightning are still wanting to crack some records here, but maybe they know, they know where they are for a full two weeks now. What a ridiculous team. So, but that is a tough schedule. Let's look at Columbus's. They have the Islanders. Then the Canadians, the Predators, the Sabres, the Bruins, the Rangers, the Senators. So that's an easier schedule. There are still some top teams in the Predators and Bruins in there. I so want this to come down to Jackets, Ottawa, last game, winning your in, losing your out. That'd be cool. I don't even care if Ottawa wins the game. I just think that would be so so awesome to see. Yeah, we haven't seen many of those recently, have we? There was a New York-Philly one, I want to say, in 2012. I believe you. There was one. Know. There was one like six years ago that happened where it was like the loser was out and the winner was in because they were on a dead tie. I think the Devils were in one too way back when they were worth yeah, caring about. There's like, I can only remember the one, and I'm assuming there's probably only been three or four within the past fifteen years. Yeah, they're pretty uncommon. But this would be sweet. I really just want this to come down again. I pretty much it's a win-win for Ottawa because either you eliminate the team that gave you a ton of assets to go for it, or you eliminate the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, that is a win-win, actually. So, uh, I would like to see this. Um, it'll be interesting. Um, Who do you think makes it in? Based on schedule and talent, I got I got to say Columbus. Montreal's just been so much better at 5-on-5 five five than anything on the roster would suggest. Yeah, they're just like... I don't understand. Julian's such a good coach. Yeah, clearly. And, I mean, yeah, like... I, there is something... I, I don't know. I don't like talking about intangibles too much, but there is something to be said about the team that was... Totally counted out this year. And, sorry, they have something to prove. And, you know, Max Domi is a bit of a castaway from Arizona. They didn't like what he was doing, you know. So Thomas Tatar, complete castaway from uh, the Golden Knights. So, there's maybe something to be said for that. But, I don't know. I think, it, it, I mean, this is a very obvious statement. Whoever wins that matchup Thursday night, probably, I would assume, gets like a 10-15% swing in oh, chances. maybe more. Playoffs. I would like, think that'll be huge. Yeah, so... I'm going to say Columbus, but I could easily see it either way. Yeah, like I said, this is the closest thing to a coin flip. Who do you want? Do you care who's in? Um, not really. I've gone back and forth on this, too. I think either team, if they just get the eighth seed, I don't think it really matters. 
I feel like either team's just going to get spanked oh, by Tampa. They should get steamrolled by Tampa Bay no matter who gets in. So, But so, I think I'd rather see Columbus just because I don't want to hear about how going for it is bad. See, so I kind of thought about, I thought about this for sure. But then all at the same time, if I, I feel like the argument would be going for it when you're the 10th seed team in your conference come the trade deadline is bad. That's and right. I would probably agree with that take. I agree with it. I still want to see teams do it. Maybe until it's my team. Then I don't <laughs> want to see them do it. True. So, I don't know. Like, I, I kind of go back and forth on that, too. I think I'd rather see Montreal in the playoffs just more because of the atmosphere. I think watching the Bell Center instead of wherever Columbus plays would be more fun as a Canadian. But I wouldn't be cheering for Montreal. But, you know, it is fun watching Montreal them. is fun to cheer against. Yeah, it is fun watching them get into the playoffs. And then... Uh, Montreal Tampa played each other like three times over the course of four years a couple years ago. That could maybe respark a rivalry. I don't know. I think Columbus would have a better chance against Tampa. Yeah, for sure. I'd but have then more again, like Columbus's roster, but I could also just see Carey Price going god mode and stealing a series because of hockey. Same with Bob though. Yeah, I Bob has struggled this year though. Yeah, he has. I still wouldn't count out. No. It's almost hard to count out any goal. It would be funny that the one year that Bob struggles during the regular season isn't a god. He actually goes god in the playoffs. He shakes the, playoffs. Shakes the uh, playoff choker narrative off of him. Just That'd does a complete funny. flip. That would be fun. Okay, so my question. Back to my question. If they miss the playoffs, coach, GM, both fired. Oh, that's or not. tough. I gotta um, say at least one of them goes. I would think coach is fired. Because... That's like the classic, something goes wrong, the coach gets blamed no matter whose fault it was. I could see a situation where just the coach goes and they try and give Kekalainen one more year or whatever, or they both go. Um, I don't see a way where just, A, new GMs don't usually like having an old coach come in anyways, like the old coach from the old regime, they usually like their own guy. Not usually. Um, So I just don't see a way where Tortorella stays. I think you could definitely have the blame game where, Kekalainen goes, well, I gave him a good team. He just didn't do anything to work with. Yeah, because you can sell that pretty easily. But then I could also see ownership going, okay, you just sold away our future and we missed the playoffs. <laughs> Alternatively, say the Jackets make it. Say they even go to seven with Tampa and they lose in the first round. Same question. Was it worth it? Well, it obviously wasn't worth it, but probably Do you not, think Kekalainen no. can swing to the owners that it was worth it to try and go for it? Yes. You think that'll save his job if they make the playoffs and at least go to Tampa? He can at least use the, well, we ran into Tampa. I'll be surprised if he gets fired if they make the playoffs. I wouldn't be. You wouldn't be? No. Making the playoffs wasn't the goal. Winning a round was the goal. That's fair. Winning a couple rounds was the goal. They've made the playoffs before. They've just never won a round. True. God, having to play Tampa in the first round, if they do make it, is just so tough. I also don't, like... I'm just so torn on what I want to see. I'm so excited for the playoffs. A, I'm excited to watch good hockey, but, like, I'm so torn on what I want to see. Because, like, if if Carolina slot slid down to the second wildcard spot and just got their ass kicked by the Lightning, I really wouldn't care that much either. But at the no. same time, like, I could legitimately see if Carolina plays Washington or New York, I could see them having a good chance, at least a 50-50 chance in that series. I could see any of the wildcard teams having a good chance against the Islanders. Yep, and... The Capitals mostly, like, I don't think the Capitals are an awesome team by any means either. No. Like, they have the high-end talent that's there, at least, but, I I mean, Pittsburgh is only one of those three that really has scared me lately. Pittsburgh's really heated up. Oh, of all the Metropolitan, the wildcard teams, Pittsburgh scares me exponentially more than the rest of them. Yeah. I, I, I just, I don't know what I want for playoff narratives this year. Because, I mean, when your team's not in it, you just kind of cheer for the narratives. You cheer for good matchups, obviously, and I think we will get a ton of good matchups. Boston-Toronto, round one, should be a ton of fun, obviously. Yep. Um, 
A Pittsburgh, Washington again would be nice. Yep, for sure. We're almost at the point where if so if they did one versus eight, but they did the conference winners get the first two spots, where Toronto Boston would be the spot that we have it. Anyways, yeah. God, that would be a fun that would be a fun finish so I could listen to the people stop shut the hell up about it. But um no. I, I yeah, Boston, uh Toronto should be fun. Whatever Metro one should be fun. Uh Metro and Wildcard one should be fun. Like no matter who it is, I would think. Second round Tampa and the winner of Boston Toronto will be fun. I heck I think the winner of the the two Metro ones will be fun as well. Like I don't see any way where Carolina, Washington, New York, Pittsburgh, Columbus, or even Montreal don't have good matchups in the first two rounds against each other. Like I there's no real out of those five teams, there's no real situation where I just see a four nothing sweep. There's no like LA making the playoffs this year where like all the playoff series this year should be fun to watch. Yeah, exactly. Whereas right. there will be no... I mean, there might be one. But, like, yeah, like last year you knew... I kind of thought L.A. was actually going to maybe make the second round. And I was like, okay, I did not watch how slow they were all year close enough. Yeah, but that was actually painful. Yes, that was horrible. I watched every game of it because it was always on and it went to overtime three different times. Yeah. but And there's not going to be uh, uh, Colorado-Nashville where Colorado stumbled in the playoffs on one leg. No goalie, no first defenseman or whatever. And then they kind of put up a fight, but then got their ass kicked in games five and six. And there's going to be no New Jersey-Tampa this year. Or, sorry, yes, there will. Well, be Tampa, New... Tampa plays. Yes, but I mean, so... even Tampa-Columbus, I think, would be a fine matchup. Like, yeah. I think Tampa will come out on top. But, I mean, if you told me Columbus took Tampa to six or seven and made it a close series, I'd believe it. Yeah, you could at least, like, imagine a narrative in your head where Columbus' stars kind of take over. Exactly. And it's they not put like, up a good fight. I gave New Jersey a 0% chance of winning last last year. I was kind of surprised they won a game, if I'm being honest. I was like, there's usually one sweep, so I'm going to pick that series. Yeah, but it was the obvious one to pick. And then if you go down at West, uh, I mean, it's also... Colorado's going to make the playoffs without Gabriel Landeskog. Yeah, That's pretty impressive. I mean, Semon Barlamov has heated up and started playing when he needed to start playing. So poor Arizona's on a five-game losing streak. Yeah, I mean they're on a, they're on an Eastern trip. Yeah, I saw that. There was people complaining about it. I don't. Know, I also saw some people defending it, saying everyone's got to do trips at the same some point in the year, and all games are worth the same. I mean, that's it's technically true. speaking. It's true. The points like, aren't worth three this time yeah. of year. I was like, man, you know what? That's fair enough. Like, if you... It just looks bad because now they're on a skid going into where, where I, it matters. I think it would be a cooler and more fun to see only, like, inner conference but really inner division play for the last two weeks. Because that's what, like, that. football week 17 is all inner division. Yeah. Imagine, but, like, imagine the last two weeks of this is, like, Calgary and San Jose play each other twice, Vegas and... Those two teams play each other at least once or twice, and then Arizona gets to play all of them a couple times as well. Yeah, that could be fun. Like, you don't need to play all your games there, but at the same time, like, I, I don't know. Or, like, try and keep it in conference, but lower uh, traveling or whatever would be fun as well. You know, I don't know. I, I think it, there would be something cool to see about that. Or, like, Toronto and Boston have to face each other two times before they go and play each other in the playoffs for a, a seven-game series. Yeah, that'd be nice. But I, I don't know. There's going to be dead games no matter what. Yeah, for sure. And, uh... Yeah, so out west, I mean, there's six legitimately good teams in the west. I don't know who to choose. Like, Winnipeg hasn't been as inspiring as their points look. No. Nashville has their problems, but they're a pretty good team. Like, pretty well-rounded. I'd say they're maybe one of the most well-rounded out there. St. Louis. I'd say they're a deep team. <laughs> yeah. St. Louis, 
is good, but goaltending is a huge question mark. Calgary is good, but goaltending is a huge question mark. San Jose is good, but goaltending is a huge question mark. I like Vegas a lot, but I do like Vegas. I mean, you could probably say goaltending is a question mark there too, because Flurry's played so much this year. I don't know. He's had like two good years, and now Flurry's like this playoff clutch <laughs> god. So I don't know who. <laughs> we should probably save this for the playoff we'll preview, I guess. But preview. we we will have one out so that the season ends next Saturday. And uh, I imagine we'll do the East first, right? Probably. Yeah. Uh, we can either do two in the same day, and we can just post them on different days. The playoffs will start probably that Wednesday, so I'll want to get one. Chase and I will be drinking all day on Saturday, so we will be maybe not in much condition to is do that a podcast. Is that Sapfest day? Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we may not be in a condition to do a podcast Sunday, but we'll see. Uh, Sunday, Monday is kind of where I'm hoping to record, or maybe just Monday for a couple hours. I don't know. We'll see. Well, I do want to get two podcasts out, though. One on the East, one on the West. Might try and get a guest on. I'm not sure. And then, uh, but if not, maybe you just have to put up with hearing our opinions on it. Uh, Poor people. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't know it started that close to Sapfest Day. Yeah, well, the season ends on Sapfest Day. It's the sixth. Okay. It think. looks like we probably won't be watching any important games that happen on the final day. Anyways. No, I don't think so. Well, but that kind of sucks. But Sapfest yeah. is way more important, anyways. Yeah. So. Getting up and starting drink at seven a.m. is much more important. <laughs> true. Very true. Oh. Just for anyone who's wondering what Sapfest is, it's the Elmira Maple Syrup Festival. Twenty-five thousand? No, more than that. Like tens of thousands of people come down. To uh, the one street in our town that houses about 10,000 or 15,000 people, line it and buy food and stuff for the Maple Syrup Festival. And uh, we just treat it as a day to start drinking unnecessarily early. So, um, 69. Oh, goddamn. But only 66,000. <laughs> yeah. I, That's so that sad. was in 2000. There was probably over 100,000 people last year. I would think there's, it's grown. <laughs> probably 150. Like, anyways. Well, why can't it be six? Way too many people on one street. So instead, we go down at 7 in the morning, and then we start drinking after we got our food. Um, it's a better way to do it. It really is the better way to do it. Anyways, let us know what you want to hear for the playoff preview. Uh, bit of a shorter episode this week, but that's all right. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, you can check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Uh, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you all next week.